Hey everyone, this is Trauma Drama, and we are your hosts, Kaylee and Nick, and this is where we discuss surviving adulthood. We can probably agree that we're all pretty fucked up and that it affects us every day, whether we know it or not. I used to think that wasn't me, but if you come from a family, live in our society, go to school, experience love, sex, and friendships, then you're in the right place. Kay and I are going to break down everyday life and problems that come from managing your drama post-trauma. Let's fucking do it. Welcome back again to Trauma Drama. Hello to all my kings, queens, all humans in betweens. We're happy that you're back, happy that you're listening. My name is Kaylee, and that is Nick. And I think I say this every time, so I think I need to come up with a better catchphrase, but we have a really fun show for today. No, it is, it is a good show. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Take it away. Um, on, yeah, on this episode of Trauma Drama, we are going to discuss trauma or drama. Mm. Um, our main topic today is going to be triggers. Um, so it's, we're going to be talking about First explaining it, and then how we recognize it, manage it, and how we move through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going into our surprise topic to finish this off. So I'm gonna, I brought the trauma or drama today. So this happened with me and another man. Okay. So the, the setting was we were just talking, normal stuff, whatever. And my friend said something that really like made me feel good. And I, had, I wanted to let him know that it felt good, but I was having like a hard time letting him know interesting and I, that was yeah that was like the first time i've ever struggled with that so i don't know if it's because hmm. because it was another man because with a woman i don't i haven't had a problem telling like you or my wife or another female friend but i don't know i've never ran into that problem and telling so when you say like telling them that that was like that made you feel good what were the words that you wanted to say that was what I wanted to say. Oh, that, that, that made was me hard. feel good. That was hard to say. Yeah, because mm. I was like, I don't know. I felt like, I didn't know if he was going to think I felt like if it was going to be stupid or mm. or what. I couldn't tell where the insecurity was. But I, I did end up telling him like, hey, when you said that, it made me feel really good. And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, thanks. He was like, cool. Like, So it was uh, like a casual conversation, but it felt good. That's, like, yeah. I, I agree that that's interesting to hear from you, Nick, because I... You've never had that problem. I've never noticed that you've had that like insecurity yeah. or fear before, but interesting. Yeah, and the cool thing was that it was about like he acknowledged my experiences with in the in the fire service, right? Wow. So, I guess and I told him I was like, "Hey man, like you've never really acknowledged my success in that field yeah. before tonight." And he was like, "Oh, I didn't like if I if I didn't, that it wasn't on purpose. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not trying to like mm. thank you, like thank you for what you did. Like it made, it made me feel good. So yeah, not trying to someone... shame them for not saying yeah. it before. No, but... exactly. But like, yeah. hey, I liked it when you did that. So mm. hopefully that continues, and then it's just good feedback. So yeah, I know we t- talk about love languages with yeah. your significant other, but like it could happen with everybody. So that was my trauma or drama for the day. So I Ooh. guess it was. Why couldn't? Why was it harder for me to say that to a man that something felt good? I would say, I don't know. I don't think it's trauma. Interesting. Okay. I don't. I think it was just a little like, I didn't want it to come across as being like, mm. oh, he's being dramatic, right? But it, sure. even though it was a positive, I still felt like if I was that emotionally vulnerable in front of another man, mm. it could come across like that. And I think I would argue that it is trauma. Okay. Like, I think that you you've talked so much about your relationship with your dad and how you all have struggled so much to 
have conversations about emotions or feelings and like whenever yeah. whenever I hear you talking about your relationship with your dad it's like you take emotions off the table and so I could imagine yeah. with somebody that is male identifying and like keeping emotions on the table is probably yeah. really hard because it comes with insecurities thoughts emotions yeah, that's like, probably that's a really good point because it could it could be that I just was never and I do struggle giving compliments yeah. in general like I didn't really get them and I can't mm. it's really hard for me to even say them and then when I do I don't sound genuine right. at all I struggled so, with that as well Nick so maybe just dive into that I guess more. I should clarify I've struggled receiving compliments from you and being like oh, are you oh, being geez. genuine is this like authentic are you being sarcastic thank you for clarifying because yes. I thought you were like saying oh yeah Nick I do that too no, but no you've definitely been on the receiving end of that yes <laughs> yes, just last just last week we were recording and Nick commented on my appearance and was like, "Oh, you look this way today." And I think you had said like emo or something like that. Emo. I, was, I was wearing like dark clothes and put eyeliner on for the first time. He's like, "You look yeah. emo," and I was like, "Oh, is that bad?" He was like, "No, it's fine. I'm just telling you like yeah. that's cool." And I was, I had trouble receiving that compliment. I think, yeah. and you and said it was a compliment. Yeah, no, yeah. it was. I I'll take credit for that. I struggle with that with everybody, so yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's so. Uh, I think it's okay that it's a little bit of both, maybe a little bit of trauma and a little bit of drama kind yeah, of mixed okay. in together. But I like that. That was a good uh, one. That that was really thanks. interesting. Yeah, it was kind. Of, it was simple. Yeah, it was simple, and it was, but it, it hit hard. So that was cool. Totally. All right. Well, going into our main topic for the day, trigger. Yeah. Triggers, multiple. Can you do your noise? Oh yeah. Bam 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 bam. <laughs> But this isn't a trigger warning. Correct. We're not talking about a triggering topic. Yes. No. And I, I, I think that I appreciate that difference because <laughs> I wanted to bring this topic for uh, for us to talk about today because there have been so many things that have happened in my life recently and I know in your life recently. And we have said the words to each other, I was triggered. I felt this way. Um, and so I thought that would be such a good thing to bring to our listeners of like how do we cope with, manage, and move through triggers and I I did a little bit of research because I wanted to make sure we accurately defined um yeah what a trigger is and definitely um, I want to take a shot at it while you're please while you're fine I just want to like uh okay so to me my definition of a trigger is something that hits you at a place that sets you off Mm. and in those instances your reaction isn't warranted Mm. that's the part that's being triggered it's like, well, why did I get so mad at something I sh- I didn't need to? Oh, I was triggered. Something hit a hot button of mine, mm. right? And then our job, right, as human beings is to dive down and say, okay, but why did that happen? It's not our job to tell someone else to manage our trigger. Yeah. So we kind of... Ooh, this is so interesting. No, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think there are tons of different, like, definitions for triggers and definitions of types of triggers. And I didn't really realize that that was the case, but um, like, I think you're so right that you can have emotional triggers. You can have like actual sensory triggers. Um, you can have yeah. like, certain bodily responses to triggers. So uh, we're going to start with defining what a trigger is. So in mental health terms, obviously I'm not going to set off a bomb here or shoot a gun. Um, In mental health terms, a trigger refers to something that affects your emotional state often significantly by causing extreme overwhelm or distress. Mm. Trigger affects your ability to remain present in the moment. So again, you're responding in a way that you you actually don't need to. The situation doesn't warrant it. 
Um, and it may bring up specific thought patterns or influences your behavior. So I guess I could, I also want to bring up like PTSD with mm. a trigger. Like that's sometimes what it is. Like people who fought in World War II and they went and saw Saving Private Ryan had to exit the movie theater during the opening scene because it was too real. Mm-hmm. They thought they were back storming those beaches. So comes in all sorts and sizes. And PTSD is true for someone. Like you don't have to go to war to have it. Correct. Yes. Was- <laughs> yes. And I think I've I've expressed this in other episodes that I've been diagnosed with PTSD and also mm-hmm. with like um, a dissociation as like a part of PTSD. And obviously yeah. I didn't go to war, so I, d- I don't have PTSD from <laughs> experiencing that. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it can come from a lot of different sorts of situations, as you said, Nick. And um, I think it's it, it is interesting that a lot of these definitions, they use the like term PTSD as a way to identify that someone has triggers but I also think even if you don't have PTSD like triggers are also real for you and like can yeah, happen yeah, to folks that absolutely. don't have PTSD so I want to I want to say that as well but I think um as you and I have survived different traumas and survived what we have in our lives I think that we both have developed our own types of triggers and I wanted yeah. I wanted to ask you what has been your journey in like identifying what a trigger is for you yeah so for me I get my adrenaline dumps mm-hmm. um so and a little bit of background on adrenaline like and a lot of we don't get taught this but in a fight with your significant other I'm gonna use man and woman just uh for the sake mm-hmm. of medical terms sure when a, when a man is fighting with a woman, that man's adrenaline is going to dump before hers. And when I say adrenaline dump, your adrenaline is released in your bloodstream, right? So that adrenaline is released first, and it's released for longer. Mm. So when the woman sometimes comes down from the fight and wants to, you know, meet up, you know, like, hey, let's settle this, the man sometimes isn't ready. Mm. So in our history with evolution, right, the, the men who had adrenaline released the fastest and for the longest were the ones who survived Mm. so that's still in us so my that's how i recognize a trigger for no reason my adrenaline dumps and it's and so for me what have my heart rate uh rises i want to breathe faster Mm. because when i was playing football my body's trained to release adrenaline when i need more oxygen right so your body will react in a way that it's trained to so that's how i know like sorry that's how i know i've been triggered Mm. when my I can feel my heart rate rise and my breathing wants to increase. So then it's like, okay, let me let me disassociate from this situation so I can handle it emotionally more stable, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, that's a very, very different experience for me. And I, I think it's interesting to hear that most of your triggers like are psychosomatic. Like they actually involve responses from your body. And that is yeah. not necessarily my truth. I think because I have um, dissociation, I go in the exact opposite direction. Like mm-hmm. I completely, without um, without control and without like any auto- autonomy in this situation, will completely shut down and emotionally, physically, and mentally remove myself from the situation um, okay. and ba- blackout basically like I, ex- yes. I experience a lot of memory loss and a lot of blackouts and a lot of like what happened or what was that like um and a lot for me I recognize I think that I'm in a dissociative state when I like have 
it's like so gnarly to say, but like gaps in time. Like if I am managing a, a, a trigger and moving through a trigger and all of a sudden I notice that 30 minutes have passed, like, holy shit, where have I been? What, That's crazy. What have yeah. I been doing? What What is going on? Why am I not present? Um, and so I do a lot of grounding activities to try to bring myself back to the present moment. So um, mm-hmm. I have worked with my therapist a lot on like really simple things to then really extreme things. So for me, something as simple as lighting a candle and like – whoa, I smell something. I am in this room. This yeah. is present. I am currently here. Um, taking off my shoes and putting my feet in the grass like so that I can feel that I am like present on the earth, like on the ground. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that I used to do that I didn't realize was a way for me to manage a trigger was uh, sit in the shower and like mm. feel the water like run on me and sit in the shower for like long periods of time. Did that brought you back to mm-hmm. like reality? Right? Yes. You weren't... Yeah, because I got to, like, feel the water on my skin. I got to, like, smell soap and, like, breathe through all of these sensations on my body so that I could recognize that, like, I was present. That's crazy. Um, I'm going to throw a little bit of an audible right now. And for the show, we're going to break this trigger topic up into two parts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, This will be part one. We're going to stop before we get to managing it, Mm. like, too too deep into managing. Because I want to talk more about, like, recognizing and stuff. I agree. it's, It's really important. So... At the beginning of this, you had mentioned that you you do come to that place where you you pull back mm-hmm. and you split off and you mm-hmm. disassociate and you are kind of gone mm-hmm. and you just kind of float through time yep. and you're not really there. Yep. So so for me, that was where I would get into trouble. Mm. So when I would get triggered, I would say something that I was not right. My unconscious. That's what oh, I would call it. You're calling it disassociating, sure. pulling back. You're forgetting. Your unconscious takes over, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not just actually sitting there like a frozen statue you're still functioning Mm -hmm. right so for me that was when i was kind of abusive Mm -hmm. emotionally abusive to like a a spouse or something right because i would say something i didn't mean that it was actually projecting those were the thoughts in my head and they're flipping around and coming out and it's like that did not need to happen right so part of my work was recognizing the trigger coming on so i can then separate it in my head like okay here's like, okay, I was wronged like that. So there's a there's a good amount of anger, mm. right? A healthy amount of anger. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the unwarranted, the unjust. There's no need for me to get this worked up over this little mm. issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's by a- backing off, emotionally splitting off, you don't have to react poorly, I guess. I Yeah, like I, I think that that's a really interesting take on it. And I wish, I wish that I had that much control, you know, to be able to do that. And I think... Um, I would argue that sometimes I do kind of just sit like a statue. Like, yes, <laughs> yes, my heart is still beating. Yes, I'm still putting air into my lungs. But oftentimes when I am dissociating from a situation or from a conversation or from something at work, I completely cannot articulate like my thoughts. Well, there is or, the, like, the fight or flight. I freeze. Or freeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I that freeze. is a real thing. So I wonder if it is like biology too. Mm-hmm. Part oh, I, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I don't think I've done enough research to be able to make that call like on what that could be like. And I could definitely ask my therapist more about it. But um, even sometimes when I dissociate in therapy, like she'll see it, like she'll see my eyes mm-hmm. trace off and she'll see oh, yeah. me not be able or like not use my hands or not change my tone or just completely like leave the situation yeah, and like no, leave absolutely. the room and she'll be like oh Keely I see that you're kind of far away like tell me 
what kind of shoes you're wearing and like tell me what is on your table right now and tell me what you can see when you look outside and it like brings me back um yeah and it's it's really really difficult to recognize that I am being triggered and I think um I think because of that I do I try to do a good job or as good of a job as I can to like call out trigger warnings like this might be triggering for you um, or yeah. this is something that I want to recognize could be a trigger. Let me know if you need to do X, Y, and Z, especially when I'm working with students or presenting on topics that I present on um, or when we're talking in the podcast. I think all of those things are really, really important. Um, but recognizing triggers is probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my mental health journey. Yeah, no, yeah. it is. It is really hard, and it's just mm-hmm. I do have some some knowledge on the bio biology or physiology mm-hmm. of of the body, and like yeah, for that's why I actually have a response to it. So sometimes it's easier for me to recognize it because why is my adrenaline mm. rushing right now? There's I'm not in a state where I have to fight yeah. or flight. Like I don't need to run for my life yeah. or fight for my life right now, but. It's interesting that my body thinks I do. Yes. So if there are any parents listening or, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's not a, the trauma that we have with, with them isn't a big deal to them, right? They're not in those moments. But for us, it literally feels life or death. Our body, the chemicals that are released, yeah. it thinks it's life or death. Mm-hmm. So these triggers uh, have a huge impact on you. If you're one of those people who kind of blow it off, like, no, I'll deal with it later. Like, no, you're going to end up dealing with it on your, like, third divorce or something because they don't go away. Yeah, they don't. They don't go away. Or they they become less, like, uh, prominent, at least for me. Like, they, you know, they don't go away, but it becomes easier to manage or easier to recognize. Absolutely. And, like, and I, I think that's a probably a really good transition point mm-hmm. to where we're going to be talking about managing yeah. them because, yes, they are manageable, when you manage them if you don't they're not going to go away Mm -hmm. um do you have anything left to say about recognizing them before we move on to our surprise topic i do yeah i would say um i don't again i'm trying really hard not to give solutions but i want to i want to say that um triggers can be the most dramatic and the simplest things like i i want to recognize that they can be this variety of things um, yeah. And I want to give some examples, if you're okay with that, Nick, maybe we could each share like one or two examples of what a trigger could look like for us. Yeah, um, I think that's a good idea. Before we move forward, because um, something that I recognized is a trigger for me most recently that I didn't realize was, um, is platonic touch. I do what not like being touched. Um, By- by a random person? Platonic is like a friend or a random person or um, gotcha. a anyone who is not romantic. Like I think mm. I think my brain has to give really special permission uh, to be comfortable with touch. And so I gotcha. have noticed when friends want to hug me or when somebody wants to like put their hand on my shoulder or hold my hand or do anything that involves touching me, I will – fucking hit them in the face no just gotcha gotcha no 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 (laughs) yeah i i completely support that so what do you think that's hitting right what's a hitting inside you that is hitting the trigger which would set off all those emotional dominoes to get you into a place lack of consent okay i think lack of consent is a i guess a trigger for me so yeah moving it down the layers of like I recognize I'm feeling some way when this happens. What does that really mm-hmm. mean? It means I don't like when people touch me without consent. What is, yeah. Where does that live? Like, where does that live in my trauma realm? Um, yeah. 
And obviously we're going to get into managing it a little bit, but you know, it's just, you can kind of see that pathway. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I get, for me, I was just most recently triggered by my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Not her fault. Uh, She just like, you know, raised her voice at me and I put me in a state of like little Nick, right? That's the kind of, that's who's getting triggered. It's not adult Nick. He doesn't have those experiences. Mm -hmm. It's little Nick, right? And little Nick was like, oh, fuck, I'm getting yelled at again and brought him back to childhood. Yeah. Dealing with my mom. Totally. I felt like I couldn't do stuff right, right? So all this stuff. Your heart stuff, starts beating. You're like, ah. Yeah. It's like now, oh, thank God. Now I get to go through all these Fuck. fun things. And it's like I've been working on them for like over a year. Yeah. And it still happens. Yeah. So that's what triggers me when I don't feel like I'm doing good enough like around the house. No, absolutely. And I, I think, um, oh, there's so many different ways that we could talk about this topic. And I'm really excited to to continue but um something else i would love for us to add to some future episodes is like when we trigger others you know Mm, intentionally or unintentionally um because both of those things like platonic touch and like you know raising your voice at someone i don't think that either of those would be like intentional to cause harm possibly if you're in a fight like actually raising your voice could be could be different um but like at least for me if Somebody doesn't know that I don't like to be hugged and they like lean in for a hug. You know, they're not trying to hurt me. They're trying trying to express love. But for me, it's like, get away. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a good point. Like we don't want to, we want to normalize the trauma and the triggers. Like it's cool. We all have them. And to like be able to like, like my wife knows my triggers, but I'm not mad at her that she still continues to trigger me even though she knows what they are. Yes, absolutely. It's not her responsibility. But then I've got to let her know like, hey. And part of the, you know, and I'll get more into it, but part of the way the male psyche, one of the most healthy ways for it to kind of fix those triggers or manage those triggers is caving. Mm. Um, just going like, you know, I'm just hanging out in my room for the next couple of nights. Like, I can't oh. really be around you right now. Caving. I got to go inner. I thought you meant go caving, inner. like caving in and like letting them, but you meant caving, no. like going into a cave. I'm going into okay. a cave where no one else is. I understand. Right? So, okay. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's cool. And that's how you work on it, right? Because if you don't, you could accidentally make your trigger someone else's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not a pathway we want to go down. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anything else you want to add here? <laughs> no. Stop. <laughs> I, want to, I want to transition into, I don't want to take over the transition, but I, I think I'm ready. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're going in our surprise topic today. And today was written in, and it's kind of like a silly... A sillier one, uh, owning a dog. You would be surprised. Okay, and this is why I wanted to say I'm ready to transition because it sounds silly. However, I want to talk about so many of the triggers and emotional responses that came from me rescuing <laughs> my dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because started off. I think, um, so I have had dogs in my life. Like I've had childhood dogs and, and stuff like that. And there's been even a lot of trauma around owning dogs in my household because my parents couldn't take care of me. How the fuck are they going to take care of a dog? And like, yeah. don't put that on me again because I can't do that. Right. Um, Please give me, you know, kind of some consent shit, here. Literally. And so none yeah. of our dogs were like trained. None of our dogs were good dogs. Okay. None of our dogs left the house. And so when I made, and then 
the second layer to that is like almost every partner that I've had in my young adult life has had their own dog. And so then I have played the role of like, let me care (laughs) for your dog. Like that is the way I I can express love is like, oh, sure, I'll I'll come pick your dog up and take them for a walk and feed them and let them stay at my house. No problem at all. (laughs) Sounds easy. And yeah. uh, but then every time I've lost a partner or lost uh, a boyfriend, like I've lost the, that dog as well. So I've experienced a lot of like dog loss. Yeah. So that's painting the picture. Speeding up now, I'm considering I'm like fed up. I'm like, I'm going to get my own fucking dog. Like, fuck all. Yeah, the you're ready. Like, I'm ready. I'm 25. I can do it. I can afford to like pay for myself and to live by myself. Um, it's time for a dog. And I remember when we finally like found Millie and decided that we were going to adopt Millie. And like yeah. after I met her for the first time, I had nightmares for weeks. Jeez, really? Weeks. I had nightmares about her getting squished, stomped on, a leg broken, her brain exploding, something poisoning oh her, God. her vomiting and dying, like her escaping and getting run over by a car, like her getting yeah. squished between or under the bed or like her being under the bed and the bed falling and like smashing her, like all of these like really intense intrusive thoughts and I couldn't name them as intrusive thoughts at the time I literally was like I'm a sociopath <laughs> I, I want to kill the dog that Yo, I haven't fuck. even met yet and I remember telling my therapist that I was like Stacy, I'm having some really disturbing thoughts like I cannot yeah. control these thoughts and I'm so fucking terrified and she was like no like those are called intrusive thoughts and it just is your brain trying to prepare for what's to come because you care so much and you're taking yeah. on so much responsibility and you understand the like gravity of owning a dog and like the responsibility that comes with that. Um, and then once I like actually got Millie, the nightmare subsided. I started to like yeah. actualize that I could do this. Um, but my relationship with Millie has gone like this for so <laughs> yeah. long and Owning a dog. She, she's not even really that well-trained hey. around the house either as your other dog. Well, I mean, the floorboards would suggest. Okay, <laughs> I'm working on it, but No, no, yes. it's fine. I'm just asking, like, there is still that trend. Yeah. You're still yeah. caught in that. Absolutely. That weird trend. And I think um, I now that it is just Millie and I, we have bonded on, like, a whole different level. And oh, I bet, I've yeah. taken a whole different level of responsibility. Like, right now, I only hand feed Millie. Wow. Because I need her to know that I'm not a plaything, that I am the only source of food, that I am the alpha, and that if she is not nice oh. to me, she does not fucking eat. So that's crazy. That has been my newest thing, and she has taken to that so well. And like, nice. Is that's interesting. Being nicer to me and is making more eye contact and listening to me, and it has changed my whole whole worldview. But um, I've also done things where like Millie will go to the vet, and I'll find out when she was a puppy, like she had worms. And I would just in the car ball like she's gonna <laughs> die like oh my god I'm not taking care of her well enough. But I think um, I to all those things being said, I want to wrap it all back up to like my trauma, uh, my little trauma brain, like having the responsibility for something or another being again has created this whole other sense of like responsibility in me but it used to trigger me like I never wanted to care for anybody but myself because I spent so much yeah. of my young life caring for my family yeah, my sister like all of these things and it's part of why I don't think I want to be a mother anytime soon or at all ever because yeah um, taking responsibility and caring for another being 
is so big in my brain that it causes fucking night terrors. Yeah, it's no, it's funny because what you what I heard there was something my mom is was telling me. You know, she was like, "I was so afraid to have you. I waited a long time to have you because I didn't want to fuck you up." Like my parents had this conversation with me, and then everything was fine until I got to a point where I could think on my own and act like a grown man, Mm. and that was when she was right because. She was able to just fully de- devote herself to me, yeah. and all of her trauma in the past escaped her brain. She's like, "I'm good. This is, I'm I'm here for him. I feel happiness. It's because of him, Jeez. right?" And then all this pressure is put on me, right? And it's like, at least you're like, you're recognizing it now because it's not good. Yeah, it is not good. But I think that's why I really enjoyed this surprise topic. And this was, like you said, kind of written in from a listener, but definitely written in from a listener. And this listener yeah. also is a dog owner. Um, and has yeah. a lot of their own trauma experiences around having their No, and dog. I've I've loved being a dog owner. Yeah. Like Dixie, my my little girl, she was so awesome and I think crucial in my mental health success. Yeah. I was able to have her like a compa- a, a spiritual companion. Yeah. Like I was like what like part of that Indian culture, they had those spirit animals. Like I really kind of did some research with my counselor sure. on that because I was asking her like, hey, I'm kind of craving an animal mm. like a dog you know and she was like well nick let's listen to that like, where why why i don't know it's just like it's happening as we're going through this because mm. i'm diving down so deep in her it was nice having a companion yeah with me um and then we we trained and we bonded and she's like the best most protective dog of it's she's awesome yeah dixie so, is the i shit. love it and i have been practicing not repeating cycles mm. like when she does something and i get mad at her and it's like hey i'm mad because of this I love you though. It's totally fine. Like I will you say tell that her to her. that. Like, I'm pra- <laughs> yes, I'm practicing because I know. Yeah. And like Doug, my kitten, I fucking <sighs> fucking Doug. I kind of traumatized him, Aww. and I sprayed him with a squirt bottle to get him out from under my desk. But he was scared of the plumber inside, Aww. right? And he didn't move. And usually he runs away when I squirt him, and he didn't. And then I squirted him two more times, and he still didn't move. So afterwards, I was like, oh my god, I think I just traumatized him. So there's nothing you can really say to a cat, but I was practicing. Aww. So I said. Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't need to react like that. That was my fault. It had nothing to do with you. And right, so I'm practicing. Like, if that is like my actual son, yeah. like, when I mess up, it's important that we apologize and they can see that we mess up, and yeah. then they don't feel like they have to be perfect going forward. Absolutely. So, oh, that's really that, deep. Those are my thoughts. Yeah. Oof. Oof. Um, that was good. It is. It is really good, and it's going to be something we can definitely continue to talk about. But. Um, and I unfortunately have to do a hundred other things today. So yeah, no, this was okay a shorter close, episode, yeah. but it's okay because we're gonna roll it into part two. Yes. of uh, triggers cool. coming forward. So cool. Yay! Love you, Nick. Love you too. Follow us at Trauma Drama Podcast on Instagram and TikTok to see show updates, video highlights, and much more. And DM us for topic suggestions, corrections, worries, concerns, love, and hate. And don't forget rate, review, and subscribe. We upload episodes every. Ah, uh, we're changing some stuff. We'll let you know when we're going to upload some episodes, but we should, we're trying to do two a week, um, but things are changing right now in our lives, so we'll let you know. Bye.